हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज दर्शन महाराजा वेलकमिंग यू टू द नाइनटींथ एपिसोड ऑफ द एलिवेटर चैट सीरीज ऑफ आवर कैनेडियन जर्नी टुडेज टॉपिक स्प्रिंग्स फ्रॉम माय यूट्यूब वीडियो ऑफ लास्ट संडे यू प्रोबेबली नो दैट आई आल्सो हैव अ यूट्यूब चैनल आई वुड बी ग्रेटफुल इफ यू सब्सक्राइब टू इट जस्ट एज यू हैव सब्सक्राइब टू दिस पॉडकास्ट आई इंटर्न टू पोस्ट वन वीडियो एवरी वीक ऑन दैट चैनल दैट वीडियो लास्ट वीक वॉज अबाउट the proposal to rename danda street in toronto which is that proposal is based on the fake narrative that henry dundas was responsible for delaying the end of the atlantic slave trade by 15 years completely a historical completely fake but that narrative has survived for 3 years and refuses to go away i made a remark in that video that i thought requires further exploration and analysis my remark was to the effect that activists in various areas are usually looking for support from political cir- circles to lend credibility to their cause and maybe some impetus and uh, politicians are looking for opportunities to gain popularity via brownie points or street cred i don't know what words they use inside but the easiest way to achieve this is by supporting a cause that is being pushed by activists here it is important that the cause should be about an ideology or an idea that happens to be in vogue you don't want to hitch your wagon to something obsolete as it says in the book of morphology leadership consists of finding a crowd that is going somewhere and then getting in front of it there is thus a symbiotic relationship between the activists and the political class they advance each other's interests but since both these groups are seeking narrow interests their symbiosis is not necessarily beneficial to the canadian society in fact to the contrary the symbiosis causes harm to everyone else or at the very least it can be said with confidence that their teamwork ends up in consequences that are to the detriment of some other constituency in canadian society the reason why i believe uh, this is especially relevant is that taxes from members of this impacted constituency get used to support the activism that harms the interests of the same constituency for example some years ago it was reported that a group of anti oil protesters in western canada had received funding from the government the project that they were protesting and had been able to hold up at the time was going to be beneficial to multiple co- communities along the route i think it was some pipeline project including several first nations in effect therefore members of these communities contributed financially to the protest that jeopardized their own interests albeit indirectly more generally as the case of the late richard uh, bilstow has highlighted the active promotion by government of diversity equity and inclusion dei ideology has attracted all sorts of entities that don't care how much pain and indeed injustice they inflict on totally innocent people as long as they get to make a quick and easy buck one crucial aspect of this dei training that is pretty much mandated in various arms of government 
is that it is unclear as to what the qualifications of the trainers are supposed to be. Given how important this training is, according to everyone in favor of it, this is breathtakingly significant ambiguity. Also, the processes or procedures by which these trainers are selected and awarded contracts is not known to the public, which foots the bill for this spending. For the past four weeks, I have been trying to find out from Peel District School Board the details of these procedures. According to their latest communication, they were supposed to provide this information to me by the end of date today. As of 4 p.m., I have not received their communication. I guess I'll have to resume my follow-up on Monday. And you know I will do that. This brings us to the core issue around DEI that affects the public perception. The unwillingness to share information about how the whole thing is being run. In a nutshell, this is an ideology that we cannot question, nor can we question how it is being propagated. In the meanwhile, we have to foot the bill for its propagation. This is the reason why I believe that we have a parasitic force on our hands. Let me clarify that I take a dispassionate view of this situation. I subscribe to the theory by Cyril Northcote Parkinson that we, what we now call government has its roots in the protection racket. However, my view is that over the past few centuries, we have refined this arrangement such that it is not just about extortion, that the ordinary people do get value for the money that they contribute in taxes. This value can be in terms of government services or the recognition and protection of their rights and, crucially, interests. The symbiotic relationship between the activists, aka the ideology pushers, stroke grifters, on one hand and the government on the other hand is reversing this progress that was painfully achieved over several centuries. Politicians love this because they get to dodge accountability by hiding behind the cover of an ideology that cannot be challenged. In fact, it is the challenger who often ends up paying a heavy price by way of loss of employment or ostracization, demonization, cancelling. The only ray of hope here is that nothing stays the same. So the days of this cozy partnership between ideologues, stroke grifters and the self-serving politicians will end at some point. It remains to be seen if they will pay a price for having sucked the society's blood. Let me know in the comments what you think. Until we meet again, goodbye and take care.